Welcome to We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. I'm your host, Lauren Lee. And who am I? I was your wacky 10th grade English teacher who would occasionally rap a Shakespearean soliloquy, would always encourage a live performance of a book report, and would occasionally dress up in costume as Professor Dumbledore to host an ethics debate, who then, after nearly a decade, decided to take the massive leap of faith to attend a coding boot camp, switch careers, and dive deep into the tech industry. I've been surprised by how many of the skills and lessons I learned as an educator have translated to my role in tech. So that got me thinking, have you taken a non-traditional route to tech? Or are you interested in transitioning yourself? This is a podcast that aims to interview career changers and folks who are diversifying tech. We'll hear stories from people who've taken unique paths and chat about the skills that they've transferred to their roles today. We're hoping to create a space for people to learn from one another, develop confidence, and debunk the antiquated notion that a computer science degree is required to succeed in tech. Come on, everyone, let's dive in. My guest today is a mom to four adorable young kids and has spent the past 10 years of her life as a university English adjunct instructor. She has written three screenplays, three pilots, and is even finishing up a memoir right now. Two and a half years ago, she decided to pull a life 180 by learning to code. She recently graduated from Flatiron Software Engineering Program, has been a coach for Moms Can Code, and continues to write about all things code and tech on her blog and is currently working as an engineer for a consultancy company. Her name is Becca Howard Weigel, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Welcome, Becca. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, definitely happy to be chatting with you. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? Sure. Okay, so can you tell me more about all of those different experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated with a bachelor's in English, and then I was a community organizer for an environmental nonprofit for about a year. And yeah, that was a really interesting experience. And it's been really actually helpful in everything that I've done for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. Um, I bet. From there, I got my master's in English from West Virginia University, and then I was an adjunct for 10 years, and I taught a variety of different classes from freshman English to screenwriting to logic. So it's been a lot of fun and really interesting, but I was ready to move on to something new. Sure. So how did you decide to learn to code and how exactly did you learn it? Yeah. So this is a really interesting part of my life. When I gave birth to my fourth kid, two of my organs ruptured into each other. Oh my gosh. And I knew something was wrong because I had some horrific symptoms and I was in such intense pain. And the doctors just said, no, you're fine. You're fine. And they sent me home. And so for a month, I lived with these symptoms until I finally had a really major surgery, which changed my life because I'm like a doer. I like to be, I don't like to sit. I like to be doing things. And I was basically Mm -hmm. stuck on a couch for an entire month. And for a year of my life had all of these restrictions because of the surgery, but I also had four kids and I I basically had to have a babysitter. So for going to, Mm -hmm. going from doing everything to not being able to do Mm -hmm. anything, like, you know, people were bringing me meals for a month and, you know, I couldn't Mm -hmm. hold my kids. I couldn't do 
any of the things with my fourth that I had done with the previous three. And so Mm -hmm. I had depression, I was having panic attack, and I had PTSD. And those are things that I never experienced in my life. And Mm -hmm. my husband was a programmer. And he said, you know, maybe you should learn how to code. And I thought, interesting. this is crazy. Like I have enough on my plate. Do you not see like all of these things that I'm trying to get back on track? Like, why would I try and do that? And so like, <laughs> he was really persistent. And okay, yeah. honey. <laughs> so finally, fine. If this will make him stop, I will try. And so I got on free code camp and I started in the JavaScript. And up to this point, okay. so I had been going to therapy, which was really helpful. I was on mm-hmm. an antidepressant and both of those things took away my depression and my pain panic attacks, but none of it took away the PTSD. So just to kind of give you an example of what that felt like. So after I had these symptoms for about a week, I went back into the OBGYN's office and she said to me, you're not my problem. And for me, most of my my PTSD stemmed from that moment because I would go play that moment over and over in my mind every day, probably hundreds of times every single day for yeah. a year. And, you know, there were some other triggering moments too, but that was the one where I really felt like I had hit rock bottom because, you know, you yeah. expect someone to help you and take care of you and then they basically abandon you. Totally reject that truth as yours. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. wow. And so... When I started doing free code camp and I was focused mm-hmm. on learning this new skill and looking at the code and deciphering it, those moments stopped. So it was like mm. in learning this new skill, I could finally breathe and rest from these moments that had been holding me down for the last year. Mm. So it was so much more than just an escape of it. Like you were tackling, conquering it. Yeah, also. absolutely. And I think, you know, after wow. that experience, I was really, it was a really low point. And I felt like, you know, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't do the things that I've done before. You know, doctors mm-hmm. didn't believe me. So I really lacked a lot of self-confidence. But when you're learning a new yeah. skill and you can see what you're doing on the screen, you know, you write hello yeah. world and there it is. It's, no, it's wildly empowering. It really yeah, is. you're building, you're creating. Yeah, absolutely. And you feel powerful that you're in, you see yeah. something in front of your eyes. Yeah, for the yeah. first time yeah. in a year and a half, I felt like I was in control of something. And that, for you know, sure. it's like oh my therapy gosh. for me. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, cool. So then you decided to go all in and make the transition happen by yeah. attending Flatiron? Yeah. Okay. So I, I was part of Moms Can Code at the time, which was a support okay. organization for moms learning to code. And and they were giving, they weren't giving away, but you could, um, through Moms Can Code, write an essay to see if you could get a scholarship to attend Flatiron. And I, see. I didn't get the scholarship, but I was really new to the journey. And so then I, I was looking into Flatiron School and they had this free boot camp prep on their website. So I started working right. through that. And I'm like, I love this. This is, it was mm-hmm. um, working, some of the stuff is JavaScript, I think, and some is Ruby. Yep. And I felt like not only did I really enjoy the the way that they taught, but the community of Flatiron School was so amazing and supportive. I thought, I know that mm-hmm. I want to be here. And so, you know, I had communicated with their dean and co-founder. And so he knew my situation and 
to go there, I couldn't afford anything at that time. I really needed a scholarship. And so I knew that there were some scholarships coming up and there was a Facebook and Flatiron scholarship, which was a full one. And so I applied for that and I did an interview and I wrote an essay, which is kind of in my wheelhouse because, you know, I taught for (laughs) 10 years how to write and how to speak. So you're like, I can tell a narrative. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. (laughs) Sure. And I got the scholarship and I just absolutely loved my experience there working with the coaches, working with the community and to see my progress from where I was, you know, two and a half years ago till now, it was really, I mean, it really is life changing. There's no other way to describe it. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Let's see. You recently graduated. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. That's, it's, it's an incredible feat to get through that curriculum. Yeah, it was wild. You know, it happened and I was so, it was like, I was surprised that I finished it, Um, (laughs) but it was so great. No, that's awesome. So can you tell me more about what you're doing now? Yes. So I was really nervous about the job hiring experience because I've heard of so many yeah, totally. from people who just had these terrible experiences. But you mm-hmm. know, I put a message out on Instagram and Twitter where I'm fairly active and saying, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Um, this right. is what I want to do. I've worked with Ruby. I've worked with JavaScript and React and Rails. And I got a message and within six days, I was hired to work as a consultant in the absolute best position possible because I wanted something part-time, remote, flexible. And that's really hard to find. Like A lot of people are like, you know what? You're just not going to find that. So you're going to have to bend on something. And so... Hmm. I was prepared, like, I'm going to search for three months. If nothing happens, then maybe I'll have to change. But for me, like, kids are all under 10. So I still, you know, want to be able to go on school field trips with them or to take them to the doctor or whatever. And so, you know, when I found this, my first meeting with my teammate who I'm working with was such a great experience because he was talking about his own kids and what they like to do. And I thought, this really feels like home for me. And Mm -hmm. so far, he's been so great and supportive as a mentor and helping me work through the issues that I'm working on and choosing things that are at my level but still challenging. So yeah, to help you continue learning. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I feel really confident in, in what I'm doing because I've had such a positive experience. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on finding Thank that. You. That's I, it's so cool to hear that you, you know, you put in the work and then you find the right thing that's a good fit for you. Like that means that it just is more likely than that you will find successes in the industry and level up and continue to grow your skills, et cetera, and not burn out or to leave the industry that we have those statistics around as well. Right. I mean, it was, it was within six days I was hired and I know that that never happens and Flatiron is really cool because you have an educational coach for the first part of the program and then Mm -hmm. after that a career coach and oh my gosh yeah I was talking to my career coach and she's been wonderful because she sees both like short term and long term in things that I don't see so you know long term Mm -hmm. I would love to be able to help women who have been through trauma and so she said to me like you can do both of these things you know you can Mm -hmm. work you can find this job where someone can mentor you so you can level up to be able to do that thing that you want to be doing. And exactly, I just never thought that I would be able to do both. So to hear someone else say that and to kind of be confident in me 
then I was able to like kind of take siphon off some of her confidence for me and, and take it in as I went through this process. For sure. No, I'm so excited for you. That's incredible. So how would you say your past as an English adjunct instructor helped you today in your role as an engineer? I think it's helped a ton, to be honest with you. I yeah. <laughs> think they're so compatible because you know when we're looking at literature, we are deep diving into the words on the page. And we're not just looking at mm-hmm. what's obvious. We're looking at, you know, what are those little um, like Easter eggs, I guess, in terms of like coding mm-hmm. that, that the author's leaving, leaving for us. So how can we look and find deeper meaning in these texts? And in the same way, when you're looking at code, there's two ways that this applies. The first way is when you're reading the docs for code, most of them are not that exciting, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got to be ready to maybe take on something that's dry, something that requires you to really focus and get that total mindset. And for me, that's the equivalent of reading theory when I was doing my my master's degree. So you're Mm -hmm. really trying to understand what's going on and how you can apply this particular thing. And then, Mm. you know, when you're looking at the literature, you're also reading code all the time. So my first two weeks as an engineer, I've spent so much time reading other people's code to see how they're doing it. Oh, yeah. Comparing it to the style of writing. So I always Mm -hmm. like to say, I I think I tweeted about this once, like there are different styles. You know, you have Charles Dickens, who's really long winded when he's writing something. And you kind of Mm -hmm. don't want that to be your style when you're coding. (laughs) And then you have Hemingway, who's like really, really terse when he's writing and just straight to the point, which is good. But I like to fall in that middle ground somewhere. So I really like Willa Cather. And so I I say that I shoot for her (laughs) when I'm writing code to write something that other people can look at and they can understand what they're doing with it. And but there's still some finesse to that. I love that comparison. That's a great way to think about it for sure. As a prior English teacher myself, I totally understand that. And I think I find myself kind of like digging into like, okay, so what really was the prior author of this code trying to get to? Like, yeah. truly, what, what was their ambition and goal here? Kind of making those assumptions, but then checking back with them, like, am I understanding this correctly? Like, and that kind of dialogue and dying for that kind of engagement level of conversation for it too. Yeah, absolutely. I think there should be a class on like reading code. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you bring up a great point. I was just recently chatting at a meetup that I go to. We had this great dialogue about, you know, the skill ultimately that we all need is to be able to discern what's happening in code base. Reading code is about 70% of our jobs most of the time, right? And then actually creating new or being able to add on to it. Yes, it's so important for sure. But being able to navigate a massive code base, understand truly what's happening, wildly difficult. And so something that we definitely need to be making sure as a part of those bootcamp curriculums and, you know, the four-year CS degree parts as well. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing that I'm realizing now that I'm working part of a team is that you want to be consistent consistent and how you write code. And right. so looking at, at your teammates code and saying like, okay, this is their style. So like mm-hmm. when I used to teach technical writing, I would do group work. And so all four teammates would have to contribute to writing this technical awesome. report. They need to be consistent in the voice and One style. voice. Otherwise yeah. it yeah. throws Hell off yeah. the reader. And in the same way, I think that code should kind of be that way. Mm. 
that you know you're not reading a chapter written by someone new, but you're for sure you're reading something that's written by a group of authors that have a central style. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That's a really unique way to think about things. Do you think that your skills differentiate you from your coworkers, or maybe just like those that you've in- interacted with that have taken that more traditional route to tech? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting and fascinating to work with a variety of different people because, mm-hmm. and just to go back to how English has influence it. When you're reading different authors, you see different voices. And so there's Mm -hmm. this great worldview that you kind of get from being able to do that and, and, you know, read over the centuries. And I think that that's kind of opened my mind to look at different coders and their perspectives and allow for that diversity in influencing how I approach topics and to say like, okay, well, you know, I might do this one way, but let me have my mind open to the way somebody else does it. I love that. I think also, you know, I've been a community organizer and an event planner. And so for me, right. building community is a huge part of the process of coding. And I've been lucky to be part of some really awesome communities. And mm-hmm. so I think that if I look at my life in the next five years, my background is going to be hugely important to how I develop myself as a developer and the code that I write over the next five years. For sure. I think that's really interesting. I myself am in the developer relations realm uh, within developer education and advocacy. And so I think you would make an incredible evangelist or a programmer (laughs) or a developer advocate. Okay, cool. Let's chat more about that offline. Uh, Anyhow. Okay. So can you tell me um, or share any life lessons that you've learned from your transition to tech in the past, you said two and a half years? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I was thinking about this morning was there's this, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, this weird thing in tech where people kind of glorify this lifestyle of not getting sleep, working constantly, <laughs> oh my gosh. drinking all of the caffeine. Yeah. For me, over the last couple of years, what I found is if I don't take care of myself, everything else suffers. So if right. I'm not getting enough sleep, if I'm not like I, one of the biggest things that I did over the last year, which has been, okay, so I've had kids for almost 10 years now. And mm-hmm. for most of that time, I have not exercised just because I've been exhausted <laughs> with kids <laughs> and doing all of their things. But this year, sure, I made a commitment to myself, which was a hard decision to take 45 minutes away from coding every day to exercise. I have been so much more productive since oh, I've done yeah. And I feel happier. I've been healthier, <sighs> awesome. made better decisions. And so for me, like finding what allows you to be the healthiest you is the best mm-hmm. advice that I could give anyone in any field because yeah. that it's it's just got this effect on I'm writing better code because I focus better because I feel confident and healthy and I'm not mm-hmm. exhausted or sick because I've had you know, six shots of espresso or something. So so I would say, you know, taking care of yourself in the way that's best for you is the best thing that you could do for writing code and for yourself. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the endorphins are uh, even like better for your brain to be working, to work through problems. Like when I'm out on a run, that is when I solve the problems that I'm working through in my code. Like I will walk away from it, get myself in a different setting and a new kind of just like, brain place and all of a sudden 
the thing that I was banging my head against the wall for hours suddenly makes so much more sense or I have a different nuanced solution to it. And so, yeah, I think it's it's incredibly important for us to prioritize self-care yeah. and to not fall into that trap of, I don't know, I used to, when I was working at Amazon, there were people that would deploy code at four yeah. in the morning. They would push changes, you know, in the middle of the night. And that was so glorified. That was so impressive for the team. They were like, that was something that was, you know, just almost there was like lore around those individuals. And of course they were men without families and they had that kind of allowance to have that free time to be doing it, which was, I don't know, it just was not the lifestyle for me. And hence I was like, peace out guys, I'm out of here. We talk about burnout so much. And like if right. you push yourself to do that, that's just, you're going to find burnout eventually, I think. For, For sure. me, too, part of this, like I really got into running this year and then I tore cartilage in my hip. And so I was really kind of Ugh, down shoot. about that. And of course. Like, well, I'm going to just push through it and suck it up. But I, I talked to a doctor and he recommended this HIT class, high intensity interval training. Yeah. And so I've been there a couple of times and I am amazed by how much better I feel. And so I think that, you know, being able to adapt when those things happen or sure. And like, I'm not good at adapting. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's easy or anything, but no, no, no. Yeah. Easier said than done, yeah. but good advice for sure. Oh my gosh. I love it. No, great advice. Can you tell me about a time that you have felt like an outsider and maybe how you've dealt with those feelings? Yeah. So the first conference I ever went to, I was mm. really nervous. And also, you know, we hear all yeah. these negative stories about tech and about how women are treated in tech and how moms are treated in tech. And mm-hmm. I went with my husband, who's an engineer, and I was kind of terrified um, because I'm also an introvert. So I'm like, okay, there's all these people and I'm supposed to talk to them. Oh but what gosh. if no one talks to me? And mm-hmm. so so I was nervous. I was nervous for a couple of reasons. I was nervous because I was new and I didn't know that much. I was nervous because I was a mom and I kind of felt like there's not really a place for me here because mm-hmm. I see a lot of you know, younger women who are, are starting their career as CS majors or boot camp grads, and I'm a second career developer. Right. And then like, what what if people just laugh at me? Like I, I felt like the kid on the playground trying to come into this new group. And I just didn't know what they were going to do. And sure. um, one, I would say, if you ever go to a conference, and you feel this way, and you can connect to someone beforehand, who is comfortable with the scene, or at least can be your buddy for a day or so, that can be really helpful. But I remember walking into this group, and I'm like, I'm an early morning person. So I think my husband was just like getting ready, but I had been up and out and ready to get my coffee by that time in the morning. So we went at different times. But I saw that he was in part of this group, and I was standing there by myself. So I walked into the group. And one of the group members, Kyle Shevlin, uh, said, oh, we have to use the Pac-Man method. I said, well, what's the Pac-Man method? And Mm. he said, well, it's when there's a group, you always leave a space open because that invites somebody else into the conversation. And I remember, Mm. you know, not only did they provide a space for me, but they also asked me questions and they were really cool about Mm. me being new and about helping me or letting me ask them questions. Excited for you to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And so it kind of changed my outlook on on the whole process. And I felt like, 
okay, you know what, maybe there is space for me here. I think that that is an incredible thing to think for everyone listening while at their next conference or meetup or whatever it is to employ the Pac-Man method. I think that that is just such an incredible way to be subtly welcoming. Yeah. And, you know, I'm talking at a conference at the beginning of August in Baltimore, and I'm talking about gatekeepers and community. And that's one of the things that I do talk about Mm -hmm. because... You know, yeah. when you allow people into the group, but also allow them to talk about their own experiences for sure, and being mm-hmm. open to that, then we can really change things, I think. Oh, I love that. Well, congratulations on the talk. It sounds like a great topic. Thanks. I'm so excited. For sure. Actually, that leads us well to my next question of advice for those that are wanting to transition into tech that you might want to share. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I've kind of been focusing on now, I felt in the beginning when I was working on this, I... I constantly felt like I was failing, like (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing or I wasn't good enough. And the more that I realized that everybody else has questions, whether they've been been doing this for like two months or 20 years, people are still constantly looking things up because tech changes so quickly that everybody is constantly adapting. So it's okay Mm -hmm. to feel like you're lost. It's okay to ask questions. And yeah, sometimes you will get people who respond in really negative and awful ways. But there are (laughs) plenty of other people out there that will be super supportive and willing to help you out. So you know, don't be deterred if you get a negative comment, you know, find those communities that can help support you. Yeah, because that's been huge in my growth experience. And and then, you know, just keep doing it because you're, you can do it. um, And there are people that are willing to help. Yeah. And I think that if you are stuck in a place where you're feeling it's, it is toxic or it is yeah. negative, you know, yeah. get out of it because there are so many communities that want to diversify their space and to want you to be there and want you want to support, you know, the second career transitioners. And it, it just feels like there's no, we should not waste our time in spaces that are not welcoming and excited about us and are not going to be mentoring yeah. us and, and creating that safe space for us to learn and try new things and develop our skills. So just like keep hustling and know that that's out there because yeah. yeah, it's just like time lost if we're if we're in those spaces that are gatekeeping. I am so glad that you said that because I think we don't say that enough too. I hear so many moms who are trying to come back, either come back or come in as a second career dev. And they're like, well, this person treated me really badly, but you know, I have a five year gap on my resume or tenure or whatever. So I just, I just need to get experience, but you know, it's, it's not worth it to be in that toxic relationship. It's not going to help you or your family or, or the company there are people out there that are willing to have you as the person you are. Retweet. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) And I think also, right, like I think you have to use your interview as a place to interview right back and ask those questions. Like, am I going to feel safe here? Is this a place for me to grow and to develop? Are there mentors? Do you care about what I'm bringing to the table that is different from, you know, this traditional career trajectory? And if they're not giving you like clear, positive, affirmative yeses, then like run. Like that is just not the place. And so, and that is like, maybe controversial to say because yes of course we should change the places that are toxic also and we should do it from the inside out and like I can hear someone saying that in response to this but you know we want to have a really positive first experience in the industry and to learn as much as we can when really eager to and yeah I just think that there's a value in seeking that out (laughs) yeah no I 100% agree with you on that it's not worth sacrificing your mental health to try and change somebody else especially 
if they've been established at that community. And I, somebody asked me recently who had just left a toxic workplace, you know, should she go back to boot camp? And she had already completed one boot camp. And I thought, like, oh my gosh. No, yeah. no, you're no. ready to do it. It's not your fault that yeah. somebody else was lacking in their you know, ability to treat other human beings as a human being. Um, Yeah, no, for sure. That's not a reflection on you. Yeah. And I think what you were saying too, about know what your priorities are. And like, you were able to say, I want to be remote. I want to work part-time. And I, you know, I want these particular things. Like I, for me, needed to find a company that like really valued family as well. So I knew that that was like going to be a part of my narrative and future. So when I was recently job hunting, like, you know, you figure out what are those top couple things in your list. And then you like kind of listen for that in the conversation in your interviews and, and even yeah. reading on Glassdoor too. But I love right now I'm in a workplace where people are, you know, kind of always talking about their kids. And I just love that that's like a part of our yeah. Slack even conversations. Uh, and it just kind of demonstrates their values and it feels a nice match in that regard. Yeah. And you know what? I told this woman too, like I look at people from companies on their social media before I mm-hmm. go to interview, just because sure. if I can look at a handful of their employees or, you know, the people that are in power positions in their company and I see what they're tweeting and that's not something that I would be okay with, then that's not a company I'm okay working for. That's that's a great tip. That's a really, really good <laughs> idea for sure. Oh, I love it. I'm Becca. I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> I, I, everything you're sharing is just, I, I, I couldn't agree more oh, with. I, I just think you're so empowering. I'm so excited that you're in this industry. We need a thousand more Beccas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's um transition to make your shout out. You know, what would you like the listeners to go check out? Yeah. You know, one of the things that has been really responsible for my my confidence as a developer and moving through all this transition has been Code Newbies. Yeah. And they, every Wednesday night, they have a Twitter chat. It is at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then mm-hmm. on Sundays, they have a check-in. So you kind of do your goals and reevaluate the goals that you had from last week. And I think that's at that's at 2 cool. p.m. Eastern, I think. Is it kind of function as like a stand-up for people? Yeah, I think Accountability-wise? So. It is really, I love that. it's nice because it creates cool. a community. And then, you know, I think that their tagline is something like the most positive community of new coders online or something like that. And that. it's totally true. Everybody there has been so helpful to me and has been my cheerleader. And in the Mm. times where I felt like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me, somebody has stood up and said, this is for you, you know, you're going to make it Oh my gosh, I love that. Okay, cool. So definitely check out everything Code Newbies putting out there. Yeah, Yeah, she's amazing. I think, yeah, everything that they're doing is awesome. Okay, and then Becca, where can people find you online? Yes, I am on um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Becca HW, but it's spelled funny. So it's B-E-K-A-H H W and that's on Twitter and Instagram and there's two H's in there because I'm Becca Harat Weigel and my blog is the same thing beccahw.github.io if you want to check that out. Fantastic. Okay, I will put links for all of that in the show notes. Thank you. Becca, thank you so much for talking with me today. I loved hearing all of your advice and the wisdom that you've gained through all of your prior life experiences now that you're bringing to the tech industry. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. <laughs> okay, talk to you soon. All right, bye. And that's a wrap on another episode of We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Be sure to rate and subscribe anywhere you can find podcasts and check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.